Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Hello, Stevie. How are you doing? I'm well. There is just so much happening in the Star Trek verse. Oh, my God. So much happening. And it's all starting with Picard. It's leading into disco. But delighted. We have so much to talk about. I'm really enjoying season three of Picard. Mm -hmm. And I'm excited to be here and talking it through or running it down. With you. Let's give them something to talk about. Um, Let's give them something, something to, to talk, talk about. about. How about Picard? <laughs> okay, today's star date is star date 233304.4. And we're talking about Picard season three, episode three, entitled 17 Seconds. You really have one of those, like, in a world In voices. a world. Well, yeah. you know what? The issue is that I don't talk to anybody all day. And then you get my basically morning <laughs> voice. It's 3 p.m. here, but who cares? Mm. These are the first words I've spoken. So if you talk to me, like, six hours, if I was on tour, no, that doesn't make any sense. The point is, my voice is normally higher, but it won't be until the end of the episode when I want it to be like this. And then I'm like, mm. ah. Before we get into the rundown, and those are important things for everyone to know. Before we get into the rundown, we got to handle a little Patreon business. What do you got to say about Patreon, Stevie? Well, okay, I'm so glad you asked. Let's see, what accent or style should I do it in today? Mm. Julia, let's do it in Julia. Are you missing Star Trek styled food cooking shows from your life? Mm-hmm. Are you missing Zoom watch parties? Are you missing nerd friends in your mm-hmm. life? Well, mm-hmm. look no further, friend, because you have found two Star Trek nerds with whom to hang out with all of your extracurricular time and more friends because we are a group of Patreon people and all you need to do is go to patreon.com forward slash set phases for Star Trek cooking shows, cocktails, friend hangs, and more at patreon.com forward slash set phases. <laughs> the songwriter in me couldn't help but notice all the ooze. You basically were rapping for the first half of that. You're like, you to who? And we to who? As a group. <laughs> oh, I actually don't start. I tried to do a little rap song about my dog, and it was, it's pretty horrendous. You try. It sounds um, like you did do a rap song about your I dog. did, yes. Give me to the end of the episode and I might do it for you. Oh, nothing has been more worth it in my whole life. I would love it if we could work on it together because my wife makes a lot of fun of me and she said I've never sounded more white in my life. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> this rap. I can't wait to hear it. This <laughs> rap about your dog. But yeah. In order to get there, I guess it's time to run it down. It's time to run it down. Can you run it down for me? Talk about Picard now. Run 
Pacific on. First of all, I don't have a leg to stand on when I hear your rap song because of all the songs <laughs> made for this podcast. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay, let's get into it. Here we go. 17 seconds. You know where we left off. We're being chased by Vatic through the nebula. Vatic and the Shrike. Ironically, the Shrike, a little bird, a little carry-on bird, is the one chasing the Titan, the big bad Titan, through this nebula. Or at least we think it's a nebula. And they've gone deeper in and they're hiding. They're trying to do the usual. That's like a Trek trope, isn't it? Go into the nebula and then play that game of where no one can yes, see each other. Yes, hide and seek, yeah. Hide and seek, yes. But then we get this like flashback of Picard and Riker talking, which apparently will have some significance later. And it's Riker and Picard toasting the birth of Riker and Deanna's first child, Thaddeus. Riker's talking about how it was a tough delivery and he was on the bridge and then they called him down saying they he'd better get there soon and it took 17 seconds to get from the bridge to the sick bay and the turbo left and he said the longest 17 seconds of his life. But we know that the birth worked out alright, at least for Thaddeus. And there's a brief appearance by Troy, which is very nice, holding the baby, saying that he projectile vomited on everything and she tells Riker to get his butt over there and to bring the whiskey. And then Riker does express in extreme foreshadowing that he hopes Picard will one day experience fatherhood and that feeling of, to quote Riker, burning the world down for that child. So that's the flashback, a little flashback we get. It's nice to see Troy for a brief second. On the Titan, basically there's weird energy searches coming from the nebula, and they are trying to figure out what that means. Shaw, who is still in control, Captain Shaw, relieves the crew that has been manning the bridge for the time being because they've been on a 36-hour shift. Good lord. And then Seven gets visited by Ensign LaForge before she takes her time off. Yes. Wasn't that kind of interesting? It was so cute. Yeah. I see a little friendship coming on there. Yes, yes. And I, it's worth noting that she, when Seven says, get some rest engines, she says, yes, Commander Seven. Which, ooh. Cute. Oh, love the ring of that. Commander Seven. Woo. I guess technically it would be Commander of Nine, but <laughs> I like Commander <laughs> Seven. <laughs> Commander of Nine. Yes, Commander of Nine. Reporting for duty. In sickbay, Beverly is tending to people, is catching guff from the ship's doctor there, which is the goofiest thing I could even think about. She's like, oh, it's been 20 years. You don't even know how this equipment works. And Beverly's like, okay, you have, doesn't even interact with that. She's like, okay, sure. And then she turns back to the patients and Picard comes in and they have the room to themselves. Well, Riker takes Jack out into the hall and they have the room to themselves and they have it. Picard and Beverly. What a scene. What a scene. Picard and Beverly alone in a, like an offshoot of the sick bay. The bio beds between them, just standing, having it out. Just the bio beds, but a world, oh, a chasm between them. A chasm them. between them, one of emotion, intellect, intention. Picard is so upset because he's like, you never gave me the chance to be a father. You took that, what could have been the biggest decision of my life away from me. And Beverly's like, oh yeah, I tried to tell you about the son that we had. First of all, we broke up in a weird way and it was the usual thing. We were finally had some shore leave and then you got called away and I got pregnant that night and then I tried to tell you about the pregnancy, but then you were kidnapped and I tried to tell you about the pregnancy a couple weeks later and then you had to go into this thing and a bomb exploded near to you and then I tried to tell you about it a third time and this other terrible thing happened and basically she's you are a dangerous <laughs> person to be around. And she's like, you're the worst father I could have picked from my yeah, child. Yeah, you're a dangerous person. And also she knows, like, you would you have chosen, like, domestic family life 
over going on adventures? Look at you now. Even now, you're on an adventure. But I never got the chance, Beverly. I never got the chance. I never got the chance. What would I have been? Would I have been a father? A husband? Yes, the husband piece, I think, really hit her. Yeah, it hit me. Sheesh. So anyway, she basically looks like kept Jack a secret because she didn't want him to have a target on his back. And also, she's like, when he got old enough, I told him who you were and encouraged him to go find you. And Jack chose not to go seek you out. Meanwhile, Riker and Jack are out in the hallway and Jack is pacing and Riker is like doing Rikery stuff. And he's like, you know, I, used, I had a son. That's your father in there. And Jack's like, you know, what I've learned in my short life, I'm only 20 years old. What I've learned in my short 20 years. <laughs> With his British accent, which I love, is explained. Oh, yes, that's right. He went to boarding school in London and he never kicked the accent. He really should have more of a weird hybrid accent, if you ask me, but whatever. Sure. I, yeah, sure. he's a bit of a British boarding school brat, the space expat, if you like. Yes, and traveling around with mum, who's a legend, and all sorts of doors are opening for him. He's a Nepo baby. A Nepo baby? That's the new hot thing. You don't know about Nepo babies? No. Oh, yeah, New Yorker magazine. I think it was January or December. They're all about the Nepo babies in Hollywood, all these famous... Nepotism babies? Is yes, that what you mean? yes, yes. Okay. That's what they call them. Nepo babies. All these kids of stars. So Jack Crusher, the character, is the Nepo baby, not the actor. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Got it, <laughs> the, got the actor's it. not a Nepo baby. Jack Crusher is a Nepo baby for sure. And if people knew who his dad was, it's enough that Beverly Crusher is his mom. Anyway, he's basically like, great people turn out to be a disappointment. I have no desire to meet Picard storms out at that point. And he says, Riker, come with me. And Riker's like, you got to go talk to your son. And Picard's like, it's a lost cause. I can't talk to him. And Riker's like, you never know what's going to happen. Look at me. Never know what's going to happen with your kids. You should speak to them while you can. In the middle of this dire situation where we're being hunted by a very charismatic sociopath. Anyway, he says he's got to get to the bridge and the Shrike then finds the Titan once again, even though they're in this nebula. And Vadic orders the ship to fire and the clicking people make clicking noises again. We don't know what that's about. Vadic is so cool just smoking her little cigarillo or whatever. And she just goes, again. again. Not mm. fire. Yeah. That was a great move. Of, they fire the torpedoes. I don't know if you got there yet, but they fire the torpedoes and then open the tra the warpy anus thing. The yes, worm, the, anus the worms aren't anus. The wormhole anus. We're going to get to that. But <laughs> yes, we're not there yet. Because this is when the strike attacks and Shaw gets very injured. Oh, yes, yes, yes. And then he's like, you got us into this, looking at Riker. And he hands over command to Will. And Jean-Luc is Will's number one. He says, you better start calling me number one, Will. Finally, we get to Rafi on the Serena, which I got to say, as much as I love the main story, I was like, can we get to Worf? What's going on here? Rafi wakes up and Worf is like doing, going through like his martial poses while listening to opera, human opera. If I'm not mistaken. And uh, Rafi comes on him with a knife and he quickly disarms her and then offers her tea and basically explains that, like, he's not Section 31. He's sort of a subcontractor to Starfleet because he is wearing full Klingon regalia, no Starfleet regalia. And he believes that there's another attack coming that this first wormhole anus thing on Metallus Prime was just the beginning. And he knows who paid the Ferengi to pretend to pay the about the person whose name I've forgotten and I'm not going to look up the Romulan guy or whatever. And it, the name of this guy named Titus Ricca. Titus Ricca. And so he says, together we're going to go find this Titus Ricca, question him, and figure out what's going on here. Back on the Titan, they got 20 minutes of their warp enabled. 
The Titan is still has gone back to hiding from the Shrek. The Shrek. Oh my God. From the Shrike. <laughs> Giant donkey. And Shaw comes in completely injured and he's like basically flatlining. And the main doctor doesn't seem to know what's going on. It's like, I scan him with a bio bed. I'm having trouble figuring out what's going on. And Beverly's like, come on, gotta do some old doctor stuff. Boom, 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 boom. Figures out that he's got internal bleeding, gets him on his side. He's able to breathe again. He's able to talk. Jack comes over to help him on his side, and Shaw says, how are they tracking us? How are they tracking us? And Jack, seeing the, the blood pools on the floor from when the captain was brought in, is struck with an idea, which he tries to follow up immediately going to the bridge, but is denied access, so he has to go elsewhere. Meanwhile, Riker is informed that the nebula is not a nebula. It's some sort of anomaly. It has a, They're getting, like, powers, signals, and biological signals. And there's a gravity well at the center, and so they can't go through this nebula, so he has to turn the Titan around. And Picard's like, you gotta stand and fight. And Riker's like, I'm not gonna stand and fight. And that's a whole thing that becomes even more of a thing. So the Titan manages to turn around, clear the nebula, they get warp back, and sadly, the strike is right on their six. They ready the, air quotes, device. And that is when we see the thing that shoots the wormhole anus in front of a ship and then using its inertia. Hold on, let me, glasses. Using its Delta V. <laughs> Thank you. It uh, forces it through the wormhole into another wormhole that puts it back in front of the ship and they try to get away twice. Check out the lensing inside that wormhole anus. It's pretty sweet. And uh, Picard's, you gotta fight, <laughs> you gotta fight. I know that was a weird sentence to say. Check yes, out the was. lensing inside that wormhole that anus. anus. I'm going to get that tattooed across my chest. Do you have any tattoos? Of course not. I'm terrified of needles. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I don't think you do. You think I, please. I can get a shot at the doctor and I can pretend to be like, yep, that's cool, baby. Yep, give me that shot. But I'm always like, pinch. I mean, you are not a small gentleman. I know. I'm like an <laughs> elephant with a mouse. I'm like, no, <laughs> sharp things. Wait, do you have tattoos? You have a tattoo. Yes, I do. I have yeah. two, I believe. You Sometimes believe? I have to check that. I believe. Yes, I know. I do have two tattoos. Listen, to be fair, I often have to remind myself of how old I am. Someone says, how old are you? And I'm like, wait, uh, I was born in 1984, <laughs> um, which means, yes, I'm 38. But I often have to ask myself that question. And similarly with the tattoos. Did I get that one I was thinking of? No, I didn't. So I, two, one, two, two, two. We're two on tattoos. Two. Yes. two tattoos. We're on two. I think I'm going to get, I'm considering getting one. My wife and I are considering getting, which is, if we break up, it's disaster. But we're cute. considering getting a, a tattoo of a tiny sort of line drawing of a long sausage dog. Oh, cute. Because you have two, two little sausages. That's sweet. Thank you. Couple's tattoo. It's too really too badass for me. It's so gay, isn't it? It's very gay. I, I honestly don't know. Every time <laughs> every time we <laughs> hang out and you both go, that's pretty gay, right? Why do you ask me that? It would be like, yup, <laughs> checks out. Let me check my yeah. gay bingo sheet. Is that a thing? Is that a gay thing, getting matching tattoos? I don't I know. I think so, yeah. Oh. I don't know that many straight cis people that do that. I'm going to take your word for it and parrot that around everywhere. I'm just going to shop that around my queer friends and just say, hey, I raise your hand. Do the research. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I, I will, should I will like, do that research. Oh, you guys going to get matching tattoos? That's pretty, that's, that's pretty like gay. a gay, that's a, a gay thing. That's like a gay thing. I've heard. Yeah. And I, yeah. I would know. One yeah. person told me. <laughs> <laughs> this is a fun aside. 
Okay. I enjoyed this. Where, okay, because I was going to get a tattoo about the wormhole anus. Anyway, I did write, check out the lensing. It's cool. Picard wants Riker to fight back. Riker doesn't want to fight back. That is becoming even more of a bone of contention. We go back to Metallus Prime. Rafi and Worf manage to track down this Rika, and they throw him against the table and knock him out and take him back to the La Serena, where they, jumping ahead, they question him, and Rafi is pretty intense in the questioning because she observes this sort of like shaky, sweaty behavior, which she believes to be going through withdrawal symptoms for drugs. Because anyway, she's like, we're going to rip your fingernails out and we're going to do all this stuff. And Worf is very, I, there is no cause worth dying for. He's really achieved this a level of a peaceful Zen master thing going on, working out with his sword to opera. Meanwhile, back on the Titan, Picard wants to set a trap. Oh, so yes, this is the big thing. Jack is able to figure out, okay, he goes to Seven and says, the blood in the water, what's the deal? There's somewhere they're tracking us that has nothing to do with sensors because they can't be using that. All you would need is something that's leaking, something that it gives you an indication of where we are. And Seven is like, oh, it's the ver ver verterium, which insulates the warp coils, of course. So they have to leave, but Seven is also under lockdown because of Captain Shaw's orders. But Jack sucker punches the guard, knocks him out completely in one punch. Seven says, you're crazy, but also seems to be like, yeah, I, this is the energy I can dig. I dig this energy. They go to engineering. They see that, yes, they have a leak, and it's not because of an accident. It looks like someone is sabotaging the ship to make it leak this Vaterium, which is allowing the Shrike to follow the Titan through the nebula. So Seven alerts the bridge that they're sabotaged. They figure out if they can turn the sabotage off, they can get away. Scott free. Picard wants to use it to set a trap, come up behind the Shrike and attack because that's the only way out of this. And Riker's like, no, I'm trying to get all these people home. I'm trying to get these people home. If we can get them to not be able to know where we are, we're going to take off. We're going to go straight to warp. And of Seven does manage to shut off the leak, but then someone attacks Jack. And by the way, he's in this place where the Vaterium gas is like leaking out. And so he's got this mask on because inhaling it is poisonous. The guy punches the mask right off of his face. He looks like someone from engineering. He's wearing a yellow uniform, big, tall guy. Jack does get one good punch in and something very strange happens to that dude's face. Yes, it does. I thought Kinda this like... was, yeah, they beautifully brought this in. I normally am like, ugh, ugh, but I, I loved the way they did that because right after Jack does, that's when Rafi and Worf figure out that the Rika, the person they're talking to, is not going through withdrawal, is a shapeshifter, a changeling, uh, who is reaching the end of their limit of being able to hold a solid form and needs to shift back into liquid. And then we see, oh, both of these people are changelings, which is very interesting. So yes, Jack gets attacked by this changeling, gets knocked out and left for dead in engineering, inhaling the Vaterium gas. Rafi and Worf find out that Rika that they're talking to is a changeling. They do manage, he's, they, what they realize is, or what they realize after the fact is the changeling is trying to get out of there before reverting back to their liquid state so as not to give away these changelings. So the Rika does give them some information that A, they stole this stuff from Daystrom, but it was a distraction to keep Starfleet spinning because they wanted to steal something else from the Daystrom Institute. And now my tinfoil feelers are going out. Beep, warp, warp, beep, beep, warp. So 
Yes. And that's when his voice starts to change and get weird. And that's when Worf realizes something is going on here. Those of us who are big time Deep Space Nine nerds know that Worf knows all about changelings because he worked beside one for several seasons. And he asks, how long have you been away from the Great Link? Which is a hint. We go back to the Titan. They are trying to figure out what maneuver they're going to use to try and get the up the upper hand on the strike here, get away or fight back. Picard is still making his sort of like demands that they fight and Riker still wants to get away. And I entitled this part of my notes, just sit down, Admiral, which is Riker really getting up in Picard's face. He's like tired of hearing it. He's like, I'm the captain of the ship. We learn these several things at the same time. One that the changelings from the Dominion War, D-Space-9, after the end of that war, there was a schism. There's the main group who are happy with peace, and then there's a schism that broke off that is anti-peace and still maybe is harboring some anger for the people in the Alpha Quadrant. And Worf was contacted by a friend, D-Space-9, Otto, who's in the main link, and told him about this. But if Starfleet acknowledges the knowledge of this faction, then the war could start all over again, which is why this all has to be done. Cloak and dagger by spies. At the same time, we see the changeling who is now on the ship and free, and because no one knows could be anybody, set up a bomb somewhere in engineering. The bomb goes off. The Titan gets completely jacked up. They come out of the nebula. Picard is like, listen, we can't run now. We can't go to warp, so you've got to fire Riker. They fall in behind Shrike, and I almost called it the Shrek again. They fall in behind the Shrike, they shoot everything they have at it, pew, 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 pew. And guess what? The Shrike uses the weapon to turn that fire onto the Titan. Don't say the weapon. Say what you mean. What? The weapon? The wormhole anus. Okay, listen. I... <laughs> yes, the Shrike, excuse me. Let me. And the Shrike uses the wormhole anus weapon to turn the photon torpedoes onto the Titan. You like that sentence? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. And <laughs> this further critically wounds the Titan, which now is spiraling down because of the gravity well at the center of this anomaly, this non-nebula anomaly, is being sucked down into the gravity well with no propulsion of its own. And Riker turns on Picard and tells him to leave the bridge because he's killed them all as they fall into deeper into whatever this is and the strike actually tears off because it's not going to go down there and that is the end of episode three season three the star trek picard 17 seconds see i can't do the lesson anymore i thought you did <sighs> barely in a world in, in a, a world in a world yeah now it's like croaking <laughs> 20 minutes ago i could have been like in a world no that's not happening anyway that's the end should we uh, chat about that we've been chatting i say darling let's do a quick chat about that yes yes let's go indeed indeed indubitably indeed anything stand out to you stevie oh it was a real master class in reacting patrick stewart that moment where he walks into sick bay or the medical bay and he and beverly are just standing opposite each other and there's just like a moment filled with Mm. tension yes and He's looking at her and just the pain on his face. And rarely do you see someone standing inanimately and it's just there. You rarely get a, a moment really in cinema or TV to see that, that, that I felt was th- that powerful personally. Yes, yes. And it was just a masterclass from Sir Pat Stew in just 
acting and reacting, and it was just all in his face. I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was a lot in the face there. I thought everyone did a pretty good job this episode. Not that they need me to say that, but the acting was, this was top notch. Obviously, the we've been ratcheting up the pressure, so everybody's under pressure. I thought even Shaw, when he's, you did this to us, but because I'm still Starfleet, you'll get us out of it. And handing up the reins. I think Seven jumping into the action, but also receiving that admiration and respect and understanding that empathy from Cadet LaForge. I loved Beverly's I've also her reaction. I mean, just that scene was like had everything. I could watch it a million times. It was like just them yeah. looking at each other. And we've been waiting for this moment, in the words of Phil Collins, for all of our lives. And uh, yeah, that's <laughs> but right. But she's rarely had moments like that in TNG history where she's been able to act like that. It's usually Agreed. just, a, you know, where she's the doctor and she's like, ah, oh, what is this? We've got some weird cells going on and I've got to figure out these cells and it's solving the mystery versus that real pained kind yeah. of acting, which I just, raw. I was loving it. Yeah, emotional. raw emotion, raw emotion. And even Riker, he got some real moments there. Mm. He's been the fun guy in the episodes where he's had previously, you know, he's been coming back and just enjoying his reprisal. And even in Lower Decks, when he was cartoon Riker, it was just fun, <laughs> but he's been really tasked. The moment where he's given the con, if mm. you will, he's been given command and there's a moment of, oh shit. Yeah. on his face of, oh, fuck, yeah. I've got to take this over. His old ship. His old ship. It was a shift between backseat driving and, oh, fuck, I've got to yeah. drive. Now <laughs> you're in charge. Which this. was like a great move by Shaw. He was like, fuck it. You get us out of this then, Mr. Know-it-all. I do have a yeah. note here from something you texted me last night that I thought you oh, might yeah. want to chat about. Uh, Let's do. <laughs> quote, Worf's trip to the dentist. <laughs> 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 I mean, you know, this is the first time we're getting to see Worf again properly. It's not mm. just him in a haze. And I was struck by his pearly whites. Mm. Yeah, he's and got I, beautiful actor teeth. Those beautiful Michael Dorn yeah, teeth. Yeah, <laughs> beautiful Michael Dorn teeth. There's no years of gnawing raw meat on mm. his teeth he anymore. Hasn't been eat, doesn't seem like he's been eating gach every day. Exactly. And... Also, the accent or the way he spoke is gone. It's just, it's, he's almost Michael Dorn. And I was a bit like, it, it feels very Vulcan-y to me. His portrayal of Worf mm -hmm. has shifted. And I well, don't know whether it's just he's wizened or it just feels like the Klingon in him has gone a little bit. Right. Or at least there's all these moments, there's a few moments rather, where he and Rafi are like, she's poking him about being a Klingon. And his reactions are very like relaxed, partially for comedic humor but also it seems like yeah maybe this is Worf's journey he does say anger is no longer worth it peace is more the thing I, that has nothing to do with his teeth <laughs> mm -mm. unless he was like well you know what I, maybe I don't need razor sharp teeth anymore if I'm going to be super peaceful I need to sharpen the weapon sharpen of my statecraft. mind yes yes <laughs> anyway it's noticeable I do love Michael Dorn so I'm happy just to see him, but he's not doing the whole, you know? When I think that was something that I was hoping to see and I didn't get it. And I feel like with some of the other characters, you've had that a little bit. So, you know, somewhat disappointed, but at mm -hmm. the same time, I'm chalking it up to character development mm -hmm. post 25 mm -hmm. years of we've not seen him since right. Nemesis. And my response to you was that Michael Dorn was probably like, I'm not putting those damn teeth back on. <laughs> yeah. It's just simply no way. I'm sure they caused, they're so inconvenient <laughs> when you watch TNG, especially the early seasons where he's like, yes, <laughs> 
and Spino said similar things about the stupid contacts. Because oh in contacts. those days, I think the contacts would have been quite, it would have been glass and really mm-hmm. uncomfortable. And he's covering Very. his face and all that paint. Oh, yeah, the paint. Let's not you forget know. paint. Yeah, hours and hours of makeup. This seems like they're like, all right, we're going to throw some ridges on you. <laughs> Your hair's gray, um, looks gray. Throw a little wig. Perfect. And Seven would have been like, I am not putting on that cat suit again. Yeah, Seven was like, forget it. Throw my little bio whatever implants on and I'll take care of the rest. <laughs> I'll yes. act the rest. Yeah, no, I thought this was cool. I wonder what's going on with Vatic overall. She's gone now or she's going to come back or whatever. It's very interesting. But now it seems like her the weapon that she has is secondary to whatever the aims of the changelings might be. Yeah, I wonder if we're going to see Vatic again or if Vatic is just a bit of a distraction to get our characters and our heroes back together. True enough. Well, <laughs> welcome once again to set phasers. We go immediately, as always, to the Easter egg desk. Stevie, what have we got for us today? Well, hi there, Augie. Hi there, how you doing? I am coming to you live from the set of Star Trek Picard. 17 seconds of the episodes which we've been talking about. And there are a plethora, if you will, of oh. Easter eggs. And I know I say plethora of Easter eggs a lot. Perhaps there was a basket of Easter eggs. <laughs> Get out of here. As we're coming up on Easter. So let's start off with... The- Shut up. <laughs> the nebula. So the, obviously we, we touched on this briefly, but the idea of hiding in a nebula is a big Trek tradition. And in fact, was even foreshadowed in the opening scenes of season three, when Jean-Luc's log from TNG, The Best of Both Worlds, was playing, mentioning the moment when the Enterprise D hit in the dust cloud oh, to yes. avoid Borg. Yes. I, I, yes, I yes, telephone about it, yeah. Foreshadowing. Now, this is fun. The before scene with Riker and Picard. So... We know that Tad died when he was about 15. And then Michael Shabon gave us the knowledge that he died in 2396. So we can assume it's 2381, mm. which means that this is roughly two years after Nemesis. Yes. And one year after the Titan saved Cerritos in its season one finale, because we now know that Lower Decks is canon. Yes. So this is, yes. What a great bit of sleuthing that was, Stevie. Okay, yes. And that means, Raki, that Jack Crusher is about the same age that Thaddeus would have been, which makes his conversations with Riker so poignant. Yes. 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 Indeed. I love that. That sort of timeline, you know, like the nerds do their thing with the timeline, but that's important information. I I love that. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So let's carry on. Seven. Did you notice that Seven has a model of Voyager in her quarters? I sure did. I got that. There you go. A bit like Jean-Luc having a model of the Stargazer in his reading room Mm -hmm. during the whole of TNG. Because Seven's going to be a captain, I think. I hope so. Right? Yes, indeed. Dr. Crusher name drops a huge bunch of planets. Did you pick up on them? <laughs> I caught the name drop of the planets, but I didn't write them down. What's up? Then we have Casperia Prime. Yes. From DS9, Change of Heart, where yes. Jadzia wanted to have a honeymoon with Worf. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, mm-hmm. that I did recall. <laughs> That's the only I one I wrote like, down was Casperia. I was like, wait, Worf married Jadzia? Yeah, you didn't know about that? Oh, yeah. No, I Big didn't. Deal. I, Big deal. Deep I, Space Nine. I know, I know, I know. Deep Space Nine, blah, blah. Okay, Kalarin 5 was a reference to the Kalarin system where the Enterprise picked up B4's body in Nemesis. Whoa, okay. Uh-huh. 
Donatra sector. Nemesis reference Donatra was the name of the Romulan commander who assisted Picard and helped them beat Shinzon. Whoa. Yeah, yeah I forgot cut. about that. That's deep, yes. Yeah, very deep, very deep. And we have a disco reference from Sorna Prime. If you remember when Captain Tilly, we were in the alternate universe, mm-hmm. Captain Tilly was known as the slayer of Sorna Prime. Mm-hmm. Oh, fun beautifully. Fact. Whoa. Fun fact. Fun yeah. fact. Oh, what was Love your fact about the classical music? I'm getting there. L- literally right here. When Rafi wakes up uh, on La Serena, Worf is doing his Klingon Tai Chi while mm. listening to opera. Specifically, he is listening to Les Troyennes, composed by Berlioz. Mm. The selection itself is called Ballon Sonore, and it's the same piece of music that Jean-Luc is listening to in first contact when Riker comes into his ready room at the start of the film. What? 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 I know. And what's fun about this particular aria, this opera, Mm -hmm. is that it's actually about a sailor who's longing for home. Whoa. Yeah. So lots of fun references. Oh, subtext. Now, this is some, this is more of a fun fact. When (coughs) Rafi and Worf track down the criminal Titus Ricker, he's played by actor Thomas Decker. Now, believe it or not, Decker played Jean-Luc Picard, Jean-Luc Picard's imaginary son, Thomas Picard, in Star Trek Generations. What? Who only existed in the Nexus. Right. What the what? Uh-huh. I know, right? And he also was in Voyager. He played a hologram named Henry Burleigh, who existed in Janeway's hollow novel in the episodes Cathexis, Learning Curves, and Persistence of Visions. Now Decker is playing a secret changeling, which means yet again he's playing a Star Trek character who appears human, but is not. (laughs) Did you like that? (laughs) I did. You're like Poirot at the end of the novel. You get everyone in the room and you're like, of course it couldn't have been you, Mr. Mustard. Uh, You were in the kitchen with the cook. Having an affair. Yeah, having an affair, of course. I saw the soot stains on your dockers or whatever. (laughs) Is that all we have for Easter eggs? Yes, Aki, that is all the Easter eggs I have. It's back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Stevie. As always, for those illuminating Easter eggs, we go now immediately to Quotable Boba. Quotable Moments. Well, I have a couple this time because I did my homework because I, I often forget to do them. So let's do you first. Oh, no, but I always feel like I'm going to take yours because, you know, oh, they're good right. ones. I want you to, yeah. Okay, okay. I loved, and it wasn't particularly the best. It was just a nice moment. Thank you, Jean-Luc, as Riker takes the captain's chair and Picard says, Will, I think it might be time to call you num- You call me number one. Love that moment. Yes. Beautiful. And then Lieutenant Murrah says, we're losing visual on the stern. And Sean's had some great lines. I yes. remember the last one. Yeah. The last episode, didn't he say something like, fine, let's beam them all on board. We're practically a hotel now. Yes, he did. Love that one. So he says, so we're losing visual on the stern. Shaw says, send somebody down to look at the goddamn back window. <laughs> Which someone does. And that's how they realize that the strike is on them later. Like yes, at so oh, good. Shit. Yes, that was fantastic. Obviously, I loved when Worf disarms Rafi and says, I am, when she says, who are you? I don't know who you are. He says, I am Worf, son of Moog, house of Martok, son of Sergei, house of Roshenko, bane to the Duras family, slayer of Gowron. I have made chamomile tea. Do you take sugar? Yes, perfect, that was perfect, good. Perfect intro. Yes. 
And the other thing I like that Worf said was when Rafi's, we're going to pull your fingernails out and gives all these threats after Rafi's done monologuing evilly. Worf says, you may keep your fingernails. Yes. Uh, which I thought was very cool. There's other cool, there's a weird thing. Where, remember when Jack is passed out and he sees Seven and Seven says, connect the branches? I didn't understand what that yeah. was. Yeah, I, I don't know. know. That's, it's going to come back, I think. Yeah, probably. Connect the branches. So weird. I think that's it for me for quotable moments. We do have some news. Shall we go to news? Let's go to news. Big app. News around the galaxy. I'm so sad to announce that Star Trek Discovery is going to enter its final season. The executives at Paramount have decided that not only will Discovery not be released this year, which was previously announced, yes. they have decided to cancel the series at the end of season six, which means that they are essentially going to reshoot season six and make it the last one. So they had completely wrapped filming, I believe, in November of last year, and now they will have to reshoot. I don't know how much they're going to have to reshoot. They haven't announced that. They basically didn't really say much, but they said, oh, Sonequa Martin-Green's going to say her piece on how wonderful it's been to be in Discovery, which she did, yeah. but they didn't say anything really about anything else. And I will say, Aki, obviously hugely disappointed, and I posted something on the post that Paramount put up. And you wouldn't believe the amount of shit I received. <laughs> you would not believe the amount of shit. Tell me about the shit. So I said, my comment was, so disappointing that Paramount execs won't believe in a series without a straight white guy in the captain's chair. Mm. Disco has moved the needle for Star Trek in more ways than one, and I'm so grateful for the amazing writers and actors who cared enough to give us representation and depth of storylines to so many previously underserved people. Snaps. 100% correct and on point. Thank you. I didn't think that was a particularly offensive thing to say. It must have done it very soon to when Paramount had posted it. So it got quite a lot of likes, but it received about 150 likes, but it's pretty much 71 shit comments. Yeah. Of like, 71 why now. is it always about race? It's very white fragility stuff. Yes. 71. Oh, yeah, it moved up. Wow. Basically, why does it always come down to race? It was a shit show. I can see why it left. The ratings weren't great. I didn't get the storylines, like blah, blah. Like just a lot of hate for Discovery and me, which was really disappointing. And people were like, have you ever seen other Trek shows? What about DS9? What about Voyager? Blah, blah. And I was like, okay, look, one. Cisco, yes, he was a black man. Did he have a ship? No, he fucking didn't. He did, and just for the war. He did, fine, yes, <laughs> for a tiny seven. portion. <laughs> yes, fine. But, and I know that you love DS9, but it's not really become as beloved as oh no 100 tos tng yeah. voyager it's not really received that kind of love from the fans it's very much a kind of culty type of following mm -hmm. and voyager i love voyager jane i love janeway but had they not introduced seven of nine that series would have fallen flat that was why kate mulgrew and jerry ryan had a bit of a rift because mm. kate mulgrew was pretty pissed that she couldn't carry the show on her own and the execs didn't think that she could do it and they would have cancelled it had it not been for bringing in a really hot woman in a catsuit. That's that's the truth of it. She was a hot woman in a catsuit. But listen, we, I think, all level-headed Star Trek fans are aware of this propensity for trolls to get out there and start trolling. It happens in almost every fandom that there's, like, the trolly trolls who, A, are, like, banking on this sort of nostalgia thing where it's like, it used to be great, and now all these new shows where people are sad, and, and the, there's too many. They usually, usually use, like, coded language. Or they just say, the show is garbage. It's just a bad show, which, of course, 
I think is A, completely subjective, and B, ridiculous for a show that's had four fantastic seasons and became the flagship. And Discovery is the reason we have Strange New Worlds and we have Picard and we have Lower Decks. Exactly. It's all because of this re- the show that rebooted it all. Indeed. For as much as those people gave you shit, I say they can eat shit. Uh, <laughs> they are, yes, they are uh, Pataks. But yes, they're very loud. They're very loud because that's what trolls do. They need to make attention. So of course they see your comment and instead of leaving it alone, they have to be like, you obviously don't know what you're talking about or whatever. It's all garbage. So I don't know. I know. It's just disappointing. It's very disappointing. That Trek fans can't see past that and really what the nature of it is. Yeah. So that was just disappointing. And I get that trolls be trolls, but I don't know. I love our Star Trek community. Yes. I know we, we have a lot of Star Trek love and people that just really get what it's about and there's just so many people that think it's just Kirk having a romp in Nurse Chapel's quarters or whomever's quarters and killing aliens and just having a punch up it's not it's mm-hmm. so much more and that yeah. is I will uh, I will get off my soapbox yeah you had to, I loved this Stevie <laughs> takes over Kapla Corner this was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> you're right that is Kapla Corner we hadn't really had that for all yeah alright we'll see what develops because I think this is not the end of this discussion I feel like there's going to be some major fan uh commentary on this decision not only to end the series but also to push back this next season to next year which is even worse of a choice but uh, we won't get into all that instead we'll get back to star trek and talk about next time yes but it's end the news oh sorry we'll end the news and then get into next time. <laughs> now it's time next time on set phasers okay great next time on set phasers we will talk about episode four of season three of star trek picard entitled no win scenario and that should be pretty exciting so uh, listen if you've enjoyed this has been a big show folks if you've enjoyed this big show you can go back and check out some of our other big shows and smaller shows what we did we've been covering all the new star treks ever since discovery brought premiered well since discovery we started during pandemic but you're right we did i think we we picked up on we had to go through two seasons i think think, first and then picked up on season three yeah Yeah. yeah, yeah. since season three of discovery and i think we covered we did we went back and did one and two whatever yeah most all of the new treks since Discovery it. started. We've yes. done it. We've the done new the era of Treks started off by Discovery. So take yes. that there. I said it. I straightened my bow tie. If you like the program, please check us out wherever you get your podcast from. We are there. Yes, we are there. And of course, you must join us on patreon.com forward slash set faces for Star Trek cooking shows. Aki, when are we doing our next one? I don't know. Some weekend this month, I hope. Yes, that's, that's hopefully, yes. All right. They're usually Sundays around 4 yes. p.m. We'll announce it um, on the Patreon. So you have some yes, time. So you must, yes, you must join our Patreon mm-hmm. in order to join us. And we really would love to see you there. We do just love, we love chatting about Trek. Oh, God. And yeah, it's yeah, just fun. The we invite about this cancellation. you to join us. Yes, yeah. Disco Lovers only. Just kidding, but not really. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah, it's my spiel. We are also on Instagram. We're on the internet. We have a website. We are also on YouTube. Set Phasers Pod is the... Um, Instagram and I think we is it also that on Facebook? Set, set Facebook we Plus? do, yes. Okay, so, that's yeah. so you can check us out there and join the conversation of all things Trek. Indeed. Well that's all from us. I am Stevie Mans. 
And I have been, as humans say, working on myself. And this has been Set Phasers, a highly illogical Star Trek podcast. Computer and program. Mm-hmm.